Welcome to episode 17 of the Mile 62 podcast. I'm your host, Richard Elkins, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We cover all things ultra running in the southern United States with a special focus on the Texas racing uh, scene. Uh, This is an exciting podcast. Uh, Got two key things I want to talk about uh, today. The first is a race recap for Jackalope Jam 48-hour race. It was an exciting weekend. I finished first overall and first in the Masters category. That hasn't happened in a really long time. I'm 53 years old, and I don't win many races anymore, but I, it's pretty exciting. Um, <clears throat> the second thing I would like to uh, go over with you is the Olympic Marathon Trials, which are coming up on this Saturday, February 29th. I review the top athletes for the men's and women's field and tell you a little bit about what's going on uh, on Saturday. Okay, so let's get started. Um, first thing, Jackalope Jam. So Jackalope Jam was uh, <coughs> started um, last Friday. Um, the start start time was 9 a.m. So, you know, the race is taking place in Cat Springs, Texas. <coughs> Excuse me which is near Houston, so I had to get up around 3.30 in the morning and uh, drive out there so I could arrive around 7 because I set up my tent, got my base camp ready. Uh, I knew that the weather conditions could be bad on Friday. Saturday was a little bit unknown, so I took a lot of different clothes, lots of different shoes, three or four different jackets, two or three different gloves, and uh, some food and stuff. Uh, you never know what the aid station's going to have. But I was uh, more than prepared, as I know what can go wrong and what has gone wrong in the past. And I, I just learned from my mistakes. Well, I got set up, and uh, everything went well. Got to the starting line. We started at 9 a.m., and... Um, the race was already ongoing because there's a 72-hour race, too, that started on Thursday. So there were some people in the field already. So we got going. I got off to a pretty good start, not too fast pace. And uh, the first few hours were pretty une- uneventful. Um, I found out that I was in second place about three hours into the race. And um, I was really curious who was in first place. I had no idea. And um, I finally worked that out, and um, I got, I followed the first place. Uh, I, I basically increased my pace, caught the person in first place, and uh, basically followed him or flanked him for about one hour, looking for a good time to pass and trying to figure out, you know, my pacing strategy because, you know, this is a 48-hour a race, so... Um, there was a, you know, we still had quite a bit to go. And um, I had an opportunity about four hours in the race when we went through the uh, checkpoint uh, to make a pass. Uh, keep in mind that this, the loop track that we were racing on was a mile and a half. It was a mile and a half uh, tra- loop trail um, with some elevation, some parts flat, but basically it was sand and rocks trail. So when I when around four hours, I think we were about 
20 miles into the race, I made my move, um, um, and I passed him, and uh, I, I really increased my pace. I ran for two laps. And when I came back around, even on the, the first lap, um, because you, as you go through the checkpoint, you're going back on the same lap. So you may have a lead on somebody, but you will see them coming the other direction. But I did not see him. And the second lap, I did not see him. And actually for a few hours, I did not see him. I wasn't sure if he dropped out of the race or was taking a break. I didn't think he would drop out of the race because he looked like he was a Navy SEAL. Almost everyone that I was competing against was either in the military or ex-military. He had um, his uh, ruck, his ruck uh, sack uh, had some um, diving insignation on it. So I thought he was a, he's a Navy SEAL and uh, turns out he was very, very experienced. Uh, he was wearing a hat that said unbreakable. <laughs> So, which kind of kind of got me motivated because I was looking at that for a long time because, you know, following a guy with a hat that says unbreakable. So I kept I kept my pace up and um, I think it was mid afternoon on Friday. Um, he came back into the race. He took a few hours break. Turns out that his hands got swollen and his shoulders got swollen. We were carrying um, twenty pound ruck. Uh, sack. Uh, basically, it's a backpack, military-style backpack. I was using a Speed Ruck, which is a Go Ruck uh, brand of ruck, which had a 20-pound uh, metal plate in it. And my shoulders really were starting to hurt. I trained with it. I wore it at home. But <clears throat> the pressure points um, on your shoulders really uh, start to hurt. And I, I, had a, I had a special sternum strap so that I could adjust my rucksack so that I could pull my straps in or out on my shoulders, but it didn't seem to help too much. <clears throat> Probably early evening, my shoulders really started to hurt. It was the pain was uh, was pretty intense, and um, I I took a break for about fifteen minutes. Uh, I had a chair outside of my tent so that when I sat down, it would take the weight off my shoulders because my pack would push up against it. And at that point, I decided to add some clothes because that, you know, it was about 60 during the day, 55, 60, but it was going to get down into the low 30s during the night. So I was wearing <clears throat> shoes. I was wearing Ultra Olympus, which I is my go-to shoe for very long events. Uh, probably done 10 plus uh, 60 mile events and a couple hundred mile events in Ultra Olympus. So I, I really thought that they would help me with it, carrying the weight on my shoulders. And um, I was using uh, Injinji toe socks, and uh, I ended up uh, putting on uh, a pair of wool socks on top. And then I was wearing gaiters to protect sand from going in my shoes. And I had some tights on, which I added uh, some thermal underwear and then one Nike sweatpants on top. So I had three layers on my bottom and a couple of layers of shirts and a light coat on top. I was using a padded coat that had some down in it, which would help me with my backpack. It would prevent from chafing on the bottom end of my lower back and also help, uh, uh, just felt more comfortable on my shoulders. Um, 
anyways, I got going, and uh, like like was forecasted, it really got cold. Um, at one point, I took off my my thin gloves, which are really rated down to freezing, and I put on uh, some insulate gloves that I use for skiing. So I basically was running with ski gloves. It was really cold, and uh, that continued all night. Luckily, we didn't have any rain on Thursday. They had rain and cold weather, but we were pretty lucky. But it got cold enough where most people on the uh, course, um, they 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 slept. They went in, took a long break, you know, slept for five or six hours. I didn't do that. I felt I didn't feel tired. I'd been drinking coffee. I had some ten-hour brewed coffee that I brought, about two jugs of that. <clears throat> I was well prepared on the coffee scene and they had some very good vegetable soup and mashed potatoes that I was eating from the aid station and I just kept going all night and uh, that that really was the turning point for the whole race because my key competition decided to take a break and uh, when the morning came around I um, um, I had about a 15-mile lead on second place, so I was doing pretty good. <coughs> but they were very serious about trying to catch me. Basically, both days they just pushed uh, really hard, the top the top contenders, to catch me. Um, and uh, I saw them early morning. One, one interesting thing is on the track, um, or the course, I should say, at the end of the course, they had a big red cone, and they called it the Cone of Death, and it had some eyeballs on it and a uh, flashing red light during the dark. It looked pretty spooky. Um, around 6.30 in the morning on Saturday morning, uh, keep in mind I've been up for uh, more than 24 hours. I wasn't hallucinating, but, you know, it was a little bit of a daze. I drank some coffee, but... Um, me and another guy were running and then we're like hey what is that at the cone there was a giant skunk <laughs> talking about waking you up so we just stood perfectly still the guy in front of me was probably 10 feet away from the skunk and I was about 20 yards and uh, we stood there for a second and the skunk just uh, took off running and left got very lucky I think we were both pretty close enough to get sprayed but um, that that kind of woke me up. Um, the day the day the day started progressing, got a little bit hotter. Um, the morning got up into the fifties. I had to shed some clothes. Didn't take any breaks. I took one break around lunchtime for probably fifteen or twenty minutes to to kind of clean out my shoes. Even though I had gaiters on, sand was still getting into my shoes, and um, I. I saw my competitors trying very hard to to catch me, and um, I I I just didn't let up. I I knew that if I kept moving, even if I was going at a slower pace than they were now, I would uh, maintain my lead, and it would be very it basically would be impossible for them to catch me, and that was my strategy. I went until I think it was. Early evening, I felt I had a bad blister, which is very unusual because I don't get blisters in races, even really long races. And I think it's because when you carry the the weighted rucks, ruck, um, it really puts pressure on your feet in a different way than you would without it. 
and it's not like being 20 pounds heavier it's the weight is is coming down on your middle torso and the body is trying to adjust and it adjusts your gait and uh, military friends were telling me that basically there's there's weight all the time on your feet whereas in running it's a limited period of time when there's weight on your feet so I, I think that's what's caused my blisters and, and the, the other reason that I think it was is because the big temperature swing so during the race we saw everywhere anywhere from 33 degrees up to 75 degrees in a 48 hour period so I think I should have taken off my wool socks that were on top of my toe socks a little bit earlier I didn't take them off to midday and I think there was some moisture in my shoes and that caused the blisters. But anyways, I had to take off my shoes and I used one of my uh, safety pins for my number and I had to release pressure on some of the blisters on my feet. And then after I did that um, and cleaned them up with some alcohol and you know, basically got going again, I felt fine. Um, went into the night, felt pretty good. They were really pushing hard, not taking any breaks, trying to catch me. I was able to maintain my uh, my lead and actually gained a few more miles on them um, and I kept going until so I didn't sleep any of the Friday night Saturday night I think it was about uh, 1130 at night um, I, I tried to lay down had some bad luck I had an air mattress had it aired up and then went in there to lay down on it and it was almost out of air so I must have a hole in the mattress anyways I laid down my body basically forced me to sleep, I think, and uh, I fell asleep, and I woke up, and I felt like I had slept all night, and uh, I figured, well, I must have slept for a couple hours. Uh, got got my pack back on, uh, drank some coffee, got ro- running, and I looked down at my watch, and I had only slept 18 minutes. <laughs> but it's really amazing uh, how how little time you need to sleep for your body to completely reset i've read some ultra runners say that you only need seven or eight minutes to really feel like you've slept a long time it's really amazing how the body works you know there's so much that people don't we don't know about our own how human body works but i felt completely re-energized i mean and felt like i'd slept all night and i'd let i'd slept less than 20 minutes i drank some coffee kept going um, they had some breakfast tacos early in the morning, early hours of the morning. Sunrise was really beautiful. Um, I forgot to mention on uh, Friday night, it looked like um, it was either, a, it wasn't a UFO, I'm sure, but there was a planet that was kind of gold in color in the sky. And we were so far out in the wilderness there, you know, there's no pollution. You could see the stars were so beautiful. And a couple of people were taking pictures of it. And it was kind of low low in the sky, and it was golden color. And the, many people thought it was a planet, but it was really amazing how clear and beautiful the sky was. And the sunrises were the same way. They were really pretty and, uh, you know, hear the birds. And uh, not many animals out there this time of year because, you know, they're smarter than humans. They go underground. There's no snakes or anything. It's too cold. <clears throat> but there were some birds, and we saw some skunks, and... Um, that was was really about it but um, Saturday was uh, um, much 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 warmer like I said and uh, that evening 
and that evening, like I said, I only slept 18 minutes and uh, went through the night. And um, I think it was about uh, 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning, I realized that I had over a 20-mile lead. So, and I was only about uh, 18, no, 12 miles away from hitting 100 miles for the race. And so I told myself, my goal was I want to achieve 100 miles. So that's what I did. I kept I kept pushing at it, and uh, I achieved 100 miles, actually 100.5 miles, about 7 o'clock in the morning. And the race was going until 9 a.m. And um, it looked like I had about a 25-mile lead because they took, they took a break again. And uh, so I basically stopped and started packing up my stuff and uh, to pack up my tent and get ready to go so I had to stick around to the finish of the race and uh, everything went well I mean uh, had great conversations with the other leaders in the race uh, second and third place and great guys ex uh, military guys and they suggested I go out and run the the Bantam uh, death march and uh New Mexico, which is every March. That that was sounded very interesting because my grandfather was in the Bantam Death March uh, when he was caught by the Japanese in the Philippines during World War II. So immediately had the idea that they thought I would do very well and it. it's only a 26-mile race and uh, I think I will do that next, next March. Uh, it's too late to do it this year, but do it next year and take my uh my normal gear out there but i'm gonna t put a picture of my grandfather on my back of my rucksack and compete in that race and it's kind of it, the race is a memorial for the bantam death march and i think what what better way to do it and then then to also you know memorial to my grandfather which is not around anymore but that's it um it was a it was a great weekend uh um first place overall and then first place masters category uh, can't ask for more and when I was going through I didn't mention it earlier but when I was going through the shoot every loop you know they would yell out M1 M1 means first place male there's nothing more motivating than that and you hear that and you just don't want to quit it's like you don't hear that very often <laughs> I mean uh, it really it really motivated me and uh, anyways that's that that's it I look forward to next year Okay, in part two of this podcast, I'd like to talk about the uh, the Olympic marathon uh, trials, which are taking place uh, this Saturday, February 29th in Atlanta. It's being uh, sponsored by the Atlanta Track Club, and uh, they've really done an amazing job. They've set up the course in Atlanta, and uh, basically to uh, there are about um, 238 male men that are racing and 458 females that's about 700 uh, athletes in this race what's amazing is the atlanta track club is paying for their travel and accommodation for the olympic trials and uh what's neat about the olympic trials i mean it is a road race and i mean i'm i'm involved in trail racing but i also have an interest in road racing because um I spend a lot of time on the roads, and I raced the roads before, and it's a big part of our running community. Um, the 
the tr the course um, is basically three eight mile loops and with nonstop rollers rolling hills and uh, then on the on the last eight mile loop they have a two point two mile add on and this course has a lot of elevation for a road race it's got thirteen hundred and eighty nine feet uh, of uh, of elevation and uh, basically if you compare that to Boston Boston has 900 feet you know people think of that as a hilly course so it's going to be a really tough race and uh, non-stop rollers so it's really hard to adjust you know f to find your pace and uh, it should slow the marathon down a little bit and uh, make it uh, more competitive because some people especially they're coming from a tra uh, trail background it gives them a little bit of advantage um the uh the qualifying time for this year was two hours and nineteen minutes um for the men or one hour and four sec one hour and four minutes for a half marathon for the women it was two hours and forty five minutes or one hour and thirteen minutes for the half and this marathon has a three hour and fifteen minute cutoff time boy that's scary I couldn't even get within an hour of that. So if they don't finish within three hours and 15 minutes, they don't, they're not even in the results. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, well, let's talk about uh, if you want to see this race, it's going to take place on Saturday. Like I said, you can see it on NBC. The race starts at 12.08 p.m. in the afternoon for the men, and the women is 12.20 uh, p.m. Um, let's talk about the the key athletes in the race uh, and my favorite picks so the top top seed for the men is of course Galen Rupp Galen Rupp runs for Nike and he has a best he has a PR of two hours and six minutes but one thing about Galen Rupp is uh, he recently had Achilles surgery and he's been trying to come back from injury um, he DNF'd at the recent Chicago Marathon, but on a re but he ran a half marathon last month at one hour and four minutes. Uh, I'm sorry, one hour and one minute. So that's that's really fast. So he seems to be uh, coming along. So you have Galen Rupp. My my other uh, favorites are Leonard Courier. He has a two o seven PR, which he ran in Amsterdam. He's also a U.S. half marathon champ and 10K champ, and uh, he was he's a Kenyan, but he's uh, now American citizen. Very fast guy and uh, trains with the U.S. Army team. Um, I have him. I have him as my number two pick, and then number three I have Jared Ward. Jared Ward has got a 209 PR. He's a former Olympian, just like Galen Rupp. I forgot to mention, Galen Rupp had won the 2016 trials and also was in the Olympics. And Jared Ward had got third in the Olympic trials and was in the Olympics. So he has good experience. So what I think is going to happen is we're going to see Galen Rupp, Leonard Courier, and Jared Ward uh, make the team. The other top guy, I think, uh, should... should uh, be in maybe the fourth or fifth spot. I'm a, I think Scott Fable, which runs over NAZ Elite. Um, he did really well in Boston with a 209 time. I think that 
he could take out uh, Courier if he's if he runs a really strong day. So those are my my top four picks. Um, um, I have to give a shout out to Jim Walmsley. You know, everyone in the ultra community is is uh, rooting for Jim Walmsley. We think that. Um, at least I, I should say I think that he's going to make the race interesting because he's the Western States champion. He's been logging 170-mile weeks, and uh, he could take out this uh, lead, could make the lead pack uh, go out in front of the lead pack and really make the race interesting. Most people, including myself, don't think he will make the team, but I think he's going to really show the world what he can do. He's a really impressive uh, guy in the ultra running community. He ran a 104 half to qualify, which is the bare minimum. But a lot of us think that uh, he's going to go from good to great in the road scene. So let's see what see what happens. My dark horse is uh, Matthew Lano, which has run a lot of good marathons. Um, he has a 211 PR. So let's see. I think that... Um, it's going to be a very interesting race on the men's side. Um, Temperature-wise, it should be around 40 degrees uh, with uh, some, li- some light winds. So light to medium uh, strength winds. So that should make it very challenging because, as we know, runners do not like wind. And, you know, it's a hilly course with wind. It's going to make it very interesting. On the women's side, we have really it's uh, much more competitive, in my opinion, than the men. There's probably eight or ten women that could win this race, so it's really hard to pick a top top three. But I will try to do that. My top pick is Emily Sisson, which has got a two twenty three PR. She ran that in London Marathon. Just an absolute uh, phenomenal athlete. Uh, number two, I've got Jordan Hase, which is a accomplished uh, um, marathoner and then I've got Sally Kipiego which also trains with ANAZ Elite I think a lot of people are not talking about her very much but I think she could be there in uh, in the top three you got Desiree Linden which won Boston two years ago she's getting older and uh, many people think that maybe it's just too competitive for her now but you can never forget about her she always has a way of coming out and making a win sometimes you got molly huddle kellen taylor sarah hall which is the the wife of uh ryan hall the greatest american uh runner of all times so really strong field so i like i said i've got emily sisson jordan Hase, and sally kipiego as the top three so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, ultra scene, we have Eo Wang, which is running. She she doesn't have a chance to make the team, but she runs in the 235 range. But she did qualify for the marathon and will be out there. So it should be a very interesting race. That's all I have for this week. Um, thanks for listening to my podcast. If you'd like to follow me on social media, it's RunnerRWE on Instagram, Twitter, Strava, and Facebook. <coughs> Excuse me. Feedback and questions, please email to me at runnerrwe at gmail.com. And please give me a review on iTunes and subscribe if you like my podcast. Shout out to my uh, equipment sponsors, Ultra Aspire for lighting and hydration, 
and Squirrel's Nut Butter for chafing products. Have a great weekend out there running. Bye-bye.